0: jump right into it. We are in, uh, we're in Genesis chapter 25. Um, we, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting little piece that we're in, and uh, the, the biggest portion of it is the death of Abraham, but you've got, you've got it sandwiched between um, Keturah, who was uh, a concubine of his, and sons, and uh, then you have Hagar's son, Ishmael, uh, and then his sons, and what happens around the death of of Abraham. Uh, Genesis 25, verse 1. Check this out. Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Midan, uh, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan fathered Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Ashuram, Latushim, and Luam. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Ephor, Hanok, Hanak, Abi- Adiba, and Elda. All these were the children of Keturah. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. But to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac, eastward toward the east country. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Keturah and the sons that are being listed here. We, we don't know exactly when Abraham made Keturah his, his concubine. We don't know if it was, if it was before Sarah ever died. And that these sons were born even even then. Uh, we don't know if uh, he took her on after Sarah passed away. We we don't know exactly. Um, but but let me walk you through a little bit of the timeline of Abraham and his life, just because we're we're coming to the end today of Abraham. And and so I want I want to note just the major events that took place to to where you get the big picture. So just in case you might be in here. Uh, one of your first times with us, or if you've been with us all whole time, to, uh, uh, to be reminded. It was at 75 years old that he took his wife Sarah from Ur of the Chaldees, obeying God. This God I mean, guy, Abraham was a pagan. He was a pagan. He worshipped other gods. God showed up and said, I'm the real God. Now I'm sending you to Canaan. And he says, yes, sir. Which is a very good thing when God shows up and says, I want you to go here. You need to say, yes, sir. Now, what that means is, since he died at 175, it means he was 100 years in the Promised Land. 100 years in Canaan. Um, at 85, he took Hagar as a concubine because of a lack of faith. Huge mistake uh, that we can see right now. Go, I mean, just turn on, turn on uh, your, your, uh, your app that has CNN or, or go home and watch headline news. And, and within five minutes, you will see, in the Middle East, you'll see something uh that deals with this big mistake that that he made. Took Hagar as a concubine, uh, and uh Ishmael was um, his first son. And when he was a hundred years old and, and Sarah was ninety, Isaac was born. Sometime later, maybe around two to four years old uh, for for Isaac, is when Hagar and Ishmael were sent away. And that's when H- Ishmael was somewhere around thirteen to seventeen years. So he was a young man Becoming a man, right? So that's at 100 those things happened. About 137 years old is when Sarah died. She died at 127. That's a a long time to be married. 137. We don't know exactly when it was that they got married, but probably when they were fairly young. It was decades that they were married. 140 years was when Isaac married Rebecca, uh, which we spoke about Just recently, and Isaac at that time was 40 years old when he married Rebekah. When his dad was 140, Ishmael would have been in the low to mid-50s at this time. And perhaps this was a time when Abraham married Keturah, we're not sure. When Abraham was 160 years old, that's when Esau and Jacob are born. Now come back next week as we're going to dive in to Esau and Jacob, and this is a tricky story. As we get into what happened between these two brothers and what happens next between those guys. But 160 when his grandchildren um, through Isaac are born, Esau and Jacob. And 175 when he died, that makes Isaac 75 years old. Isaac's no young man. He's 75 himself. He's about the same age as when Abraham called him. There's, I don't believe that there's, there's, uh, that's, that's an accident. That's an accident. There's a passing of the torch that's taking place now. Abraham started the journey with God when he was seventy-five. The torch is being passed to Isaac, seventy-five now. Um, Ishmael, somewhere around ninety. You know this thing, we just think of him this, this this warrior, this hunter and all this. But I mean he's ninety by now. Other sons are some somewhere less than ninety years old. Maybe they're older, or maybe they're 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 young and younger than uh, than Isaac. Jacob and Esau again are fifteen when they're Granddaddy died. Inheritances were given to these sons. Keturah, her sons, uh, they were given to, to them, and also to uh, to Ishmael. Um, Abraham was a wealthy, wealthy man. Um, the gifts would have been substantial enough to assist them in building nations, which they did. And again, ten start these guys are probably decades old. They're already in the process of uh, of. Of going out there, I mean, they're being raised by one of the greatest um, military leaders ever. Just look back in Genesis, look back on on him going to rescue Lot, and look at the way this guy led. He led really well. He had some huge mistakes, but he led well. These sons would have been would have been invested in by their by their their father Abraham, and so they knew how to lead. And they went out and they did lead. and And there were nations that did come from Abraham, not just. Not just from Isaac, but from uh, Keturah, from uh, Hagar, and from um, concubines. It could have been that there were others as well. Um, but then, after he gave them these substantial gifts as their inheritance, they were sent away, and the majority was left to Isaac, who was the promised son from God. These nations emerged. Just one that I'll just note in here, Midian has talked about, Midian is probably the best known of the children that were born to Abraham and Keturah. Um, the Midianites. Um, I mean, if if you're a history buff, and I mean, there were there were there there was all kinds of difficulties that they had uh, with the Israelites as time went on. Um, they uh, they were uh, basically in the region of northwest Arabia. The Bible references them uh, that they had roamed far, which include trans south, south Transjordan, Arabah and Syria, and so the Midianites, known well in secular history, again, it's talking about how they came, they came to bear, alright? So these guys, these sons, they were taken care of, their wealth would have even been spread down within, within, the, uh, within the grandchildren. Now I want us to jump to, to verse 12, and the, we're going to talk about Ishmael and his sons, and we're going to come back to the death of Abraham. These are the generations, this is verse 12, these are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's servant, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael, named in the order of their birth. Nabaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael, and Kadar, Abdiel, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadab, Hadad, Tema, Jatur, Nafish, and Kadama. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their wives, I mean, uh, excuse me, these are their names by their villages and by their encampments, 12 princes, according to their pro- their tribes. These are the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years. He breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. Obviously, we're not talking chronologically, we're, we're hitting topical, we're hitting these these, these sons of Keturah, the Ishmael and his sons, and his end, hidden Abraham and his end here. Um, they settled from Havilah to Shur, which is opposite Egypt in the direction of Assyria. He settled over and against his kinsmen. If you'd like more information just about Ishmael and, and, and what happened all the way from him to, to Muhammad and the tie into to Islam, uh, check out a, a two-week uh, series that we did um, a couple of months ago uh, that deal with that. Podcasts and vodcasts, um, but the the prophecy has been fulfilled. God had promised that He would make many nations out of Abraham. The promise would would be uh, be realized not just through Isaac, but through through many of his sons and, and grandsons. Um, but what is the point here? Um, because you have you have these sons. Uh, through these concubines, Hagar, Keturah, maybe others, and he gives them gifts. He's trained them. He's loved them, and he's like he, he sends them away. You know what's what is it that's so great about Isaac? You know, you, you look and it's just like, well, you know, man, what is it about this Isaac guy? Why is it that he gets everything? You know, that doesn't seem very fair because you got all these others that were there were sons. They're from from Abraham, but. And he, and he loved him, You know, right? What's so great about Isaac? Guys, there's nothing that was great, so great about Isaac. It wasn't about Isaac. It was about Jesus. Isaac was the one by which his bloodline was going to bring Jesus. And by which his bloodline, all of the Scripture, the Old Testament, would be captured by the Israelites, the Word of God. And then, then on through Jesus and, and, and the ones who followed the way that was called Christianity later on. That they would capture the Word of God. And that was their, that was their blessing. But it, it, could have been, it could have been anybody. I mean, you could have been born as, as Isaac. God could have made you that person. It wasn't about Isaac. It was about God's story. All the other lines, all the other lines lead only to families that were steeped in the human condition. Only Isaac's line could lead to a Savior, God the Son, who would come and save those who are in this world. Paul explains this in Galatians chapter 4. Starting at verse 21, it says, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and one by the free woman. Now, and it's, it's creating a metaphor here. Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Uh, break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the one who has a husband. He's it's, it's, it's not, it's not talking about just the Jews being the ones who are free. It's saying there's freedom that all who are the children that ultimately have, have come from Abraham, come from Isaac, because it's those that come from the real promised son. Jesus was the promised son. He was the one. Going further, it says, Now you, brothers like Isaac, this is uh, Galatians 4.28, are children of promise. But just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh, persecuting him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave but of the free woman. Now he's talking he was talking to Christians. He was talking to Jewish Christians, he was talking to Gentile Roman Christians. He's saying, "Look, we are all children of the free woman." It's guys, it's not that Ishmael was was evil. It's that we're we're all evil. We're all Ishmael. We're all children of of Hagar. Hagar was just just like another form of the fallen Eve. She's the metaphor that we look to just say, we're, we're all, we can all look back to fallen dad Adam. We can all look back to fallen mom Eve. We can all look back and say, we're all born as children of Hagar. We're all Ishmael. All of us in slavery before Christ. But Paul, Paul spoke of this. He spoke of this in Ephesians 2 and this is one of my, my I mean, the scripture, whole of the Bible is so useful. This is one of my favorites, you guys. And for those of you who are already Christians, it's going to talk about you in, in the past. And, and though you may still act like your, your past, um, it's talking about you in the past. If you're in here and you're, like, you're not a Christian, it's talking about you in your present. Here's what it says. Ephesians 2, verse 1 and You were dead in your trespasses uh, and the sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in, and this is the descriptor, the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, and this is It's a very big but here. It's very important that we see where God jumps in. That if you're a Christian, if you're a worshiper of Jesus Christ, then there's a point in which God jumped in where you're a child of wrath and completely, completely wrapped up in your slavery to yourself and to sin. And to your mother Mother Eve and your your dad Adam and and, and being a child of, of Hagar. And he's... He jumps in and says, but, but I'm here now. And he says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, <clears throat> made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See what he did? When we are dead... He shows up and makes, makes us alive so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. Even the faith, Paul is saying, is not of your own. It's a gift. Not as a result of works so that no one could boast. For we are His workmanship. And, and another version uh, says we're his masterpiece. We're like, an, we're like something the Michelangelo has painted. Where's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I, and, and I included that last portion, verse nine, about good works, so that we know that. When our hearts are changed, it affects our actions. It affects, when our hearts are changed, it affects our heart, and it affects our words, it affects our actions, but it's based upon grace, not upon our works. And we'll refer to this uh, again. you refer back to it um, when we hit the James 2 passage in a little while. Refer back to that to understand where works come into it. So now we come to the death of Abraham. Genesis 25, 20, 25 verse 7. Man, I'm tongue tied this morning. Um, these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175 years. Now, guys, well, you know, we're 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 doing pretty good to average 75 years these days. 175 years. Can you imagine that? Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age. Well, I'd say so. An old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, uh, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, east of Mamre. The field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites, there Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac settled in Beir, was born. I mean, he was buried right in, in the same place that he'd, he'd bought for, uh, for Sarah's burial, years before. Again, this is not in chronological order. Um, Esau and Jacob, who are going to come in the story next week, were around 15 when their grandfather died. So when we get to their birth in this next section, uh, just just know that that's that's not in chronological or, uh, order. But we do have a we got a death of a, of a patriarch. Even back then, I mean, you know, they didn't know exactly all that was going to happen next. I mean, you still just have. You just had Abe and his one, a one, one promised son and his two, two sons, you know, it's, it's like, you know, okay, well, you know, wow, okay, got nations, got things happening in other places, but what's this line going to be? But he was a patriarch, he was highly revered, highly respected, people worshipped his God. They worshipped the God of, of Abraham as a result of him faithfully preaching about, about God in these different places that he set up as worship to worship around trees and rocks. And they didn't worship the trees or the rocks as people today do. People that we may be with today worship trees and rocks. But he had places where they would go and they would proclaim his God, the God uh, the God of the promise. Uh, there was an uh, obituary written for Abraham in Hebrews and James. Hebrews 6, verse 13 through 15, some things that uh, the writer of Hebrews said, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. So Abraham patiently waited and he obtained the promise. Now, in a scripture we're going to hit in just a minute, it's going to say that Sarah and Abraham, they didn't obtain the promise. It's like, well, okay, what's What's the deal there? It's like, but he did. He had his son. And he, had, he knew that I mean, one of his sons were the ones that, that this line to a Savior was, was going to go. And so for him, it's like, it like, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. They, hadn't, they didn't take over the whole promised land. They didn't have all of Canaan yet. But they had that cave where they were going to be buried. And so in his mind, in his heart, is like, God doesn't break his promises. I keep breaking mine. But God has never broken His. And so, as far as I'm concerned, I've obtained the promise. I want you guys to know something. There's things that God has been revealing to you, or that He's going to reveal to you, about your destiny, about a vision, a dream that God has to do in you. And you're going to play around with it. And you'll believe it one day, and then maybe the next month you may not believe it. But God will reveal Himself as being faithful. And if He has actually promised something, He will be good. To his promise. He will bring his destiny about. He will. And what he wants to do is he wants, he wants to allow, he'll allow you to be stretched. He will allow you to be tempted. He will actually test you at times. And the testing is, do you believe me or do you believe you? Do you believe me or do you believe your circumstance? What are you going to bow to? And I just challenge you. Just, just say, alright God, I I, I I believe but help me with my unbelief. Help me, God. I want to trust You. And as far as I'm concerned, Lord, even when my affections fail me, Lord, as far as I'm concerned, whatever You've promised, I've obtained it. It's a done deal. James 2, verse 21-23 to says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called—you guys—is it back here? Somebody say it. A friend of God. Now come on. I mean, we're we're just creation. You know. I mean, I I think pretty highly of myself because I'm, i was born in America, and I think I should. I wear the Burger King crown uh, quite well, and I want to have it my way. Alright? But there's, no, there's nothing in the world that would say that I, that I should be a friend of God, and yet God looked at Abraham, He called him a friend, and later on, Jesus called us friends. I'm talking to you guys who are Christians, who goes, who are Christ worshipers, those that God has changed your heart, there's evidence of your heart change, and you're following Him, you're worshiping Him. He calls you a friend, a friend. Watch, I'm a child of the '80s. Some we of y'all were born in the '80s, and uh, there was an old movie called The Bodyguard. I don't think I've seen it since I was a teenager, but I just remember that that in this story, you know, it was just this this geek of a kid, and uh, you know, he just was getting picked on all the time. And there was just one. He was like maybe a freshman. and there's this senior who's just this huge. Hulk of a dude who had his own problems, you know. But he they, they they built a friendship, and this this guy just he he would like crush all the people that, that was pick, that were picking on this dude, you know. And I was like, yeah, that's great, that's great. I mean, I had a I've got a brother who's five and a half years older than me, and 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 though most of my pain and beatings actually came from him, uh, there was times in which he would come and rescue me when others would pick on me. Like, yeah, I'm thankful for my big brother, except when he pummels me, you know, and. And I was just so glad to have a big friend. Can you imagine having God as your friend, but can you even imagine that God looks at you if you're His child, If you're son or daughter, and He says, you know what? You're my friend. Yes, that's what He says. Take it to the bank. Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that Therefore, from one man as him and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Guys, you know, that's what God... Wants us to do he There's a mission that God has for you, a destiny that he has for you. And 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 I want you to know we focus mostly on the destiny that we'll see actualized, that'll be realized. But God says, My dreams are so big for you, they won't even be done in your lifetime. Can you embrace that? Honestly, I'm I'm so selfish that I'm like, well, how about how about you just give me the stuff that I can see? today, to now. Can I have those? And God's like, You're, you dream way too little, Dave. His dream's for you. If you'll follow. And the dream, it starts with Him, but it's His mission. And, and He will press you in and press you forward. And and the wild thing is, is you'll die someday. And when you die, the dream won't be fully realized. But guess what? It's done. It's a done deal. Because God's going press it, to press it forward. Uh, still in that passage there, for people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they'd gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For He's prepared for them a city. Prepared for them a city. You know what God's ultimate dream for you is? Him. That, that's that's his vision. He wants you to have him. He wants you to have him forever. The Westminster Shorter Catechism. The very first question: What's the chief end of man? You no, know? and the chief end man of man. The answer is, is to glorify God and enjoy Him what forever. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Guess what? That's, that can start right now. If you're not a Christian and you're like, "Well, wow, forever, man. That's it's a mighty long time." I mean to tell you, you know, it's there. Uh, I'm so sorry. Um, it's it is so. It's such a long time that we can't even begin to say, "How do I begin this? How do I how do I open the door?" for this thing and God says I'm the door. Don't don't even worry so much about heaven because heaven's not about the place anyway, it's about me and you'll finally get me and see me completely and you'll see yourself completely and I'll take away all your sin and you'll never sin again. That is heaven. And if that sounds good to you, then it sounds good to me. It sounds good to me, sounds good to you? Anyone? He wants to press us forward to this city. There's someone who once said, success is finishing well. Success, it's, it's finishing well. Um, Abraham finished well. And he, and he died well. And he, again, I mean, we can go back, we can see some, some idiot things that he did. Uh, I'm just, I've mentioned it before. I'm just so glad that, man, my story is done in the Bible for, for millions and billions of people to see all the idiot things that I've done. But man, Abraham lived a faithful life. He finished well. He died well. Um, David was talked about uh, in a a similar fashion. Acts 13.36 For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. He served the purpose of God in his own generation. And then he died. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to be faithful to your generation. He wants you to finish well. He wants you, he wants you to die well. And, and I'm telling you something, you can't just decide, you can't just say, well, when I get 60 years old, then I'll just I'll work on the finishing well at that point. You can't do that. Finishing, finishing well later means get, living a godly life now. You hear me? Finishing well later means you must live a godly life, a life that, that's surrendered to Jesus Christ right now. And, and you know who your biggest enemy is to doing that? Charles Spurgeon says, beware of no man more than yourself, for we carry our worst enemies within us. We self-sabotage so much because we don't believe God. We don't believe that He could actually carry us the whole way, and so we self-sabotage. Um, Ray Ortland uh, came down uh, to see me the, this week. We spent half a day in prayer and just planning and 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 just just saying God, I mean, just begging God to give us the strategies that we need to have to plant churches all throughout a region. And we went around the world but I mean specifically as God's giving giving us some call to this region that we're in in Alabama and Tennessee what what can we do to just carpet bomb our areas with with gospel-centered churches disciple making fools you know that just man whatever for Jesus they'll go anywhere anytime however rich poor no matter what it is that they're willing willing to go and and in the middle of it he he mentioned he he said you know Dave he says he says Christianity is like a football game, but many people treat it like a poker game. Because in poker, if you don't like the hand that you're giving, given, you can fold. You can you can say, well, I've got you know, I've got about twenty chips in right now, but it's not looking good, so I'm going to go ahead and fold so I don't lose anymore. But he said in football, you know, you can't you can't quit. If you're at halftime, things stink. Third quarter, you know, you're getting pummeled. You can't quit. You've got to press forward through the fourth quarter. You've got to, you've got to continue going. This, this week, in fact, it was the, the day before I met, I met with Ray. I turned 40 years old. I turned 40. And, and it's so strange that he brought up that metaphor of football in quarters because I'd already been thinking through quarters. Um, I don't know when Jesus is going to take me. He can take me tomorrow. You know, whatever will glorify Him the most. But in general, people live about 80 years. Somewhere around 80 years. And you can kind of look at it as, there's there's if you look at it as quarters of their life, 0 to 20 and 20 to 40 and 40 to 60 and, and 60 to 80, God willing for all, for all of that, but, but just in, in general. And, and it got me thinking, I'm like, okay God, I'm, I'm probably halfway done with my life. Um... So, what do I do? What do I do with the next season that, that I'm in? and, and, and how, how can I understand the quarters kind of the quarters of life? And, and first of all, with, and, and just in just in defining this before you, these quarters of life, um, in every one of these quarters, in every part of your life, in every day of your life, be obedient to Jesus as worship unto him, and be faithful. To each one of your seasons and each one of your quarters, because you can't, you can't jump ahead and you can't jump back either. You got to be faithful to the season that God's given you, and you got to be faithful to your generation that you live in. and And when the Bible uses the word generation, let me just kind of define it for you. Um, the The word generation, when when the Bible talks about it, it does not does not talk about uh, isn't talking about your tribe or your age group or, you know, the people that are, you know, maybe from, okay, you were born from, from 1980 to, to 95, that's, the gen- that's not the way the Bible looks at generations. When the Bible talks about generations, it means all the people that are living at that time. And So when we're talking about being faithful to a generation, it's saying you're being faithful to the people that are around you, whether they're like you or not, whether they're your age your grandparents' age, or your grandsons' age. That you're faithful to the generation that you're living in. Now let's just talk for a moment about, about these quarters, just to kind of wrap your, wrap your mind around it. Around it, um, And you can go, I'd love for you guys just to go further with these concepts. But your first 20 years, man, it's, it's all about preparation. Uh, your parents are preparing you, and then you're a part of preparing yourself. And, and, and there is a lot of room for foolishness, and mistakes in the first 20 years from 20 to 40 and I'll even do, I'll even break it down uh, into decades a, a little bit but in 20 to 40 it's when you really are dialing into your DNA who you are and therefore you're calling in life where you're trying to figure these things out and really 20 to 30 it's when you're preparing you're preparing for 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 your life, preparing for the calling God has on your life. You start beating the bushes. There's lots of trial and error. There's not as much room for foolishness, but there's still a ton of room for mistakes between 30, 20 and thirty. From thirty to forty, it's usually when you're you're really engaging your DNA call, DNA and your call, um, and and figuring figuring it out. You know, it's like okay, and you're really getting. Getting started at the bullseye. It's where there's a more efficiency, more effectiveness that's that's on this curve that's taking place. I think it's interesting that Jesus is mo- modeled for us that, that he launched out at 30 years old in a ministry. You know, that before that, man, it was just it was preparation even for, for Jesus. Now, again, when you're young, lots of room for for foolishness and mistakes, by the time you're 30 to 40 years old, there's not as there's not not really any room for foolishness. There's not much room for mistakes there. 40 to 60, and, uh, and it's where I'm at, and so, look, some of you guys are there with me. This is where maximum effectiveness and influence in your life should be, where you are pouring out your your. Your life, you're, you're pouring into God's calling, but you're also you're, you're bringing others along with you. You're saying, come on, come on, let's go. Let's go together. Together we're going. You're, you're, you're empowering others, you're equipping others, like, come on, let's, let's go. And, and here is where many people have achieved success, and they've got, got some of the comforts of success, they let their guard down and they fall. 30 to 40, that happens some, but especially 40 to 50, 40 to 60, you fall. 60 to 80, 60 to 80. And I'm praying, saying, God, give us, give us more. 60 to 80. We got a lot of you guys, you're working on the 0 to 20. We got kids just happening all, all over the place. We got people getting married. It's a beautiful thing. A lot of you guys in the 20 to 40. 40 to 60. But man, we need some 60 to 80 in Sojourn Church. We do. And I'd ask you guys to pray for that. People that will come alongside. Because 60 to 80, you know what you need to be doing from 60 to 80? You need to be passing the baton. You need to be... It's, it's not so much about what you do and your energy and you're on stage and you're front and center, it's about how in the world you can continue to push people up and get people to where they're supposed to go, where you believe in them, you help them, you're dialing into them, and you're, you're just giving it away, giving it away. Over and over. The body of Christ needs that for, to be able to finish well. A.W. A. Tozer he said, uh, said this, said For years I've made a practice of writing many of my earnest prayers to God in a little book, a book now well-worn. I still turn often to it, to the petitions I recorded in that book. I remind God often of what my prayers have been. One prayer in the book, and God knows it well by this time, for, it, for I pray it often, goes like this. Listen to this. Oh God, let me die rather Let me die rather than go on day by day living wrong. I do not want to become a careless, fleshly old man. I want to be right so that I can die right. Lord, I do not want my life to be extended if it would mean that I should cease to live right and fail in my mission to glorify You all of my days. Now man, I I read that and I was like, thank you, Tozer. I'm going to rip you off. Because that needs to be my heart, and I want it to be my heart, and it's, it's where I want to be. I don't want to fall. I don't want to falter. I don't, even want to, I don't even want to be inefficient or ineffective, much less falling. I want us to press in and be effective and efficient for the kingdom of God, for the mission of God, for the glory of Jesus. Anybody with me? Um, you guys have been to funerals, you've seen the tombstones. And on these, on these tombstones, you, you see birth dates, the dash, and, and then the death date. And, and some of them, you've probably seen them, and it's like a, a husband's already died, and then there's the wife. She's still alive. She's got the birth date and the, and the dash. See, many know, many know the birth date... But only God knows the death date. All we have is the dash. That's all we have, you guys. A little dash. God's placed it, He's putting it in your hand and basically just saying, if you will offer it to Me every day, I will fill your dash. How are you filling it? How are you going to fill the dash? I mean, I believe... I believe in just a, a life philosophy that's uh, man you suck the marrow from the bone it's like man the, the minutes that you have you you capitalize on it you know be purposed in what you're doing and i mean yesterday we 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 had uh i was with some of you guys on, on our creative team who'd been been camping and 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 we went we went uh um uh we did some intertubing jet skiing. And uh, boating, and took to a rope swing, and there were some people first time ever on a rope swing, and got on this, got on this, on this uh, platform, and just you know heavy breathing, and Just like, can I do this? Can I do this? You know, and people were cheering on, and all this, and you just see it, and the squeals and the screams, incredible. Then we went to this bluff, and we had some people jumping and 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 diving, and and some splatting, you know, off of this off this bluff, and and people just you know. Heartbeat, and it's just like you know. Can you feel it? Can you can you feel that you're alive? You know, it's parachutists looking looking at one one another, and and it's like I, you know, I'm. Are you going to go? Are you going to go? No, I'm. I I don't know if I can go. I'm I'm afraid I'm going to die. And the other one looked at him and just said, "Be more afraid that you won't live, guys." We're going to die. And I don't mean you have to act foolish. and then You don't have to, all have to parachute. But if you want to go, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. But don't be afraid of dying. You're going to die. Be afraid of not living. Be afraid that, be afraid that when the time comes and, and the dates are already there, that the dash didn't really mean anything. Be afraid that the dash was really just a dash about you instead of being about Jesus. Be very afraid of that. And cry out to God and say, God, change whatever needs to be changed so that you're the one that fills the dash. Ask Him, say, God, please don't let me waste one more day.